Hey everybody, I would like to welcome you to another episode of Pop Culture Gems. This is a series where we, I, Davis Green, talks to amazing creators, artists, cosplayers, voice actors, and so much more. If you like the interviews we do with our terrific guests, like, follow, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, the CFG channel. We release podcast pop culture gems on all pod, podcast services on all our main web, uh, on all podcast services as well on our main website confreaksandgeeks.com. Today, I am talking to an incredible voice actor who has been in a in the game uh, voice acting industry for about 20 years. She has been in so many memorable roles like the engineer Winry Rockbell in Full Metal Alchemist, Cami in Street Fighters 4, 5 and 6, the Pink Acid Hero Mina Ahito, aka Pinky in My Hero Academia, and the young Damien Desmond in Spy X Family. If you don't hear her voice in the series, she is probably crushing it as an ADR at Crunchyroll on shows like the new solo leveling, which is streaming at crunchyroll.com. Oh, that's a good shameless plugin. I would like to <laughs> welcome Caitlin Glass to the show. How are you doing, Caitlin? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, so finally, I'm so glad I'm able to talk to you. You've been on my list forever. And I'm, I'm definitely appreciate the time that you're giving me for this. So this is really awesome. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get down to brass tacks here. Uh, what is your story? Like, what got you into voice acting? What got me into voice acting? Well, I have a degree in theater, and I always knew that I was going to be just an actor professionally. I did not pursue voice acting as my only means of um, supporting myself as an actor. It kind of just fell into my lap. I think I always knew I would like to try it as one of the many things an actor can do. Uh, but going to school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area um, in the early 2000s, that's where Funimation uh, was based. So a lot of local talent end up working there. They just It just happens eventually, right? Your agent will get you an audition there or an actor or director you know will um, you know drop your name there. For me, I ended up there when I was still in college. I had a semester left because a friend of mine became a sound engineer there. And he's like, you like anime? And I did. Uh, it was just like my casual hobby kind of thing to be into. He's like, come to the studio and I'll give you a tour. He even said, I don't know how to get you an audition or work uh, at all. He's like, I'm just engineering. I don't know. I'm like, but I said, I want to go. I just want to see where you work. It'll be cool. And on that tour, I met... Um, actor and then he was directing Eric Vale and uh he asked what I did and when I said that I was an actor he had me get into the booth right then and there because there was no actor in at the time had me say a couple of lines in something and when I came out he's like give your information to our talent coordinator and you can work here <laughs> that was that so I got hired on a tour uh that was on a Thursday and I was back by Sunday actually recording over the weekend because they needed to get the very first episode of Case Closed out the door so my first work at Funimation was in Case Closed and by the summer of that year I landed um a lead role in a show called Spiral and uh, it was hilarious and great and a wonderful learning experience. And by the fall of that year, actually late summer uh, of that year, like I kind of did spiral and throughout the course of it was at the studio more often and people heard me and I had the opportunity to audition for Full Metal Alchemist. And I was cast in that and got going, I guess, in the late summer, early fall of 2004. So, Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. So that literally fell in your lap. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it's a, it, was it 
it, it, it wasn't even like your friend didn't like set you up to talk to meet this person. Not at all. Wow. Not at all. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> that is an un- that is unbelievable. <laughs> it's a blessing, that is so for crazy. Sure. Yeah. How did how did and like and then your first you said your your very first role was in uh was Case Close. Who did you play in Case Close? I played kind of the flavor of the week. You know, it's a procedural, so it's a different cast every week unless it's, you know, the main crew, Conan and the gang. But yeah, the mm-hmm. the victim's girlfriend is who who I played. So yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. If you haven't seen the episode, I don't want to spoil it because it's an excellent first episode of a series and you can go and stream it on Crunchyroll. <laughs> Man, look at this. I'm not even getting, we're not even getting paid for this. <laughs> Crunchyroll, but we're just, wow, nice. Man, the, the funny thing about, like, it's funny for me for every time I watch Case Clothes, um, I, was talk- I actually introduced that to my mom uh-huh. to anime because she didn't understand why I liked anime so much. And uh, and then she was like, "Oh, this is uh, this is murder." She wrote, and I'm like, "Oh my god, you basically just ruined this series for me." Now every time I look at it, it's always murder. She wrote for me. Murder. She <laughs> wrote is a great show. Story. I love murder. It's an amazing show. Yeah, this is it's an amazing show. But now it's like now I'm looking at case closed as, as Angela Lansbury, and I'm just like, oh, I can't. Uh, no, 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 thanks. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you came up like, and uh, you came into Funimation during the significant growth of anime, uh, like of anime mm-hmm. series coming to the U.S. Yeah. Um, like, were you familiar with anime, the anime scene before you started voice acting uh, 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 with it? Yeah. Um, I wasn't like 100% knowing absolutely every anime that had ever come over or even too much about voice actors uh, yet. Um, I watched anime in high school uh, with my friends and then kind of got away from it in college simply because I was busy, like doing college stuff. Um, and I was in theater, so we had rehearsal all the time. But by the end of my college years, I'd met some friends there who were also into anime. So we kind of started watching anime again. Um, namely, we would you know go to class and do stuff and then go to someone's apartment and watch what was going on in Dragon Ball because it was like really good stuff at the time. I think it was like the Cell Saga tournament and stuff with Boo and Majin Boo and all that. Uh, and then we'd go back because we had rehearsal. So, um, mm. and the guys I was watching with are like my colleagues now. So Sean Gann, uh, fellow uh, ADR director, Anthony Bowling, ADR director, and also actors as well. So it's kind of fun that that was our little college upbringing um, with anime. Uh so, so like I knew that there was a scene and I was reading like new type magazine to know what new shows were coming out. I was not really into um, illegal downloading and I'm not just saying that because piracy is bad and it is. Please don't do that. Um, but that wasn't my thing. Like I just, I, I didn't even try. I would just watch whatever I could watch legally. And there was um, a blockbuster near where I lived that actually had tons of anime tons of it so thank goodness for uh adv films because it was mostly adv stuff but they had such a massive catalog in the early 2000s so i was watching a lot of that and i was watching whatever else was on toonami at the time so that's like furikuri and the big o and um blue gender and inuyasha and and etc it was that era Mm -hmm. um yeah and i'd watch them and then i'd watch them again and again if they were on uh so that's that's mainly what i was watching um when i got into the to it as a job <laughs> wow yeah 
I can't even believe I like ADV. That brings me back. I'm so <laughs> old, <laughs> but uh, yeah, New Type Magazine. I mean, yeah. uh, I do. I do remember how like that was like a that was a really expensive magazine. It was like seventy dollars just for one for one of those. Uh, things if or, you got or like, like the that. Japanese one, probably because it would have been imported. But I was getting like New Type USA, which was still not cheap. Mm-hmm. It's still like a thirty dollar mm-hmm. magazine, and in like two thousand four, that's a lot for a magazine. But excuse me, <laughs> but it came with a DVD every month, provided by ADV Films. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, most of the time from ADV and it had um, free episodes of stuff to watch. So maybe one or two episodes of whatever their new thing was. And it was dubbed as well. So uh, mm. I thought that was really cool. And I got to, I got exposed to a lot of shows, whether or not I liked them and kept up with them. Uh, was one thing, but it was just really neat to see what's mm. going on in Japan, see all the really cool art uh, in the magazine and watch some, well, not free. I paid for it, but <laughs> get some anime samples, I suppose. Right. Yeah. I mean, and like, I mean, yeah, I, and I know, like, during that time though, too, it was like we were. This, this was this was still like the infantile stages of the mass exp- expansion yeah. of what anime is today. So, right. so you, so like, uh, I think most of the time during that time, it was like we, you see, you see a show. Well, unless if it was not on Adult Swim or whatever, Correct. it's like if you get if you get something. Then you, then you just got you got to watch it. You got to check it yeah, out. For whatever yourself. there is, so, yeah. like you watch that exactly. And, but you'd read <laughs> so about then. something in a magazine, and you're right. If it wasn't the big new show, you know, like Full Metal Alchemist, for example, which at that time was consistently on the cover of New Type magazine. Um, if it wasn't that, or maybe like Gundam Seed or something, it wasn't going to be on TV. So you're just crossing mm-hmm. your fingers that in a year or so you might be able to get to see it. You know, licensed. Um, by somebody who else was around at the time, Jenny on and pioneer yeah, and, and then Bandai. ADP Bondi and, um, and, and, and Funimation. So, Oh yeah. And fun- yeah, yeah. Uh, that place. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the big one. Yeah. yeah the big one. The big one. <laughs> yes. And, um, and, uh, and like prior to all of that, uh, uh, prior to all that, well, not really prior, but you've been uh, doing like a mix of video games, cartoons, and anime for almost 20 years now. Um, is there like a genre that you like to do more than the other, or are they all the kind of like the same to you? Mm-hmm. And they're not the same. They're definitely not the same. Uh, it kind of depends on what type of video game you're doing and what role you're cast in in that game. So a lot of the games I've done have been localizations of Japanese games. So they feel working on them feels very similar to working on anime. You just don't have a picture to work with a lot of the time. Uh, But I feel like if, unless you're one of the key players, right? Like one of the party, (laughs) uh, it's, it's hard to follow the thread of the story. It can get very convoluted. And because a, a game it's linear, but there are choices that you can make as a player and you can go off this way. You can go off that way. You can go off that way. So recording it is a little bit trickier in your mind because you, it's not just chronological. It's like chronological up to a point and then you got to follow this path and then you got to back it up and go, okay, well, if you hadn't done that, there's this and all the lines that go with it. Um, it's, it, it can be really hard <laughs> and kind of grueling. <laughs> and like I said, you don't have picture to watch to kind of keep you involved or, a soundtrack. That's what's really cool about dubbing anime is that you get to see it all first. So everything that you hear from the Japanese actors and everything that you see and hear from the sound design and uh, the music uh, really inspire the performance. That being said, I guess mm-hmm. with video games, it's more of a, a blank slate and you just are a little bit more creative in that way that you still will have the Japanese to go off of. Um, I have done some games. So- yeah. 
Oh, I'm sorry, but uh, like, were you are you saying like so like when you're when you're actually in the booth itself on anime? Because uh, I didn't know that y'all actually saw your character. Oh, absolutely, talk, we uh, have at to at the same time. You must like you. It's not just some words on a page. The reason the director is there is to help guide the actors into the right read and performance to fit the animation. So you have to see the animation. The script has been adapted from the translation to match the way the mouths are moving. So it is 100% necessary uh, to see uh, the picture. So we always watch it um, in Japanese before we record. Not the whole episode start to finish, but you watch the moment that you're working on um, right. at the time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sorry, but that was kind of uh, catch you off. Though. But it's very interesting, though. Like, uh, but I mean, with gaming itself, you are basically creating a character from the ground up itself. So, so uh, yeah, you really can't see yourself, uh, you know, your character uh, up, up in front of you. But like, mm-hmm. like, like I said, you're 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 Cammy in a fighting <laughs> game, and you're doing you're doing all uh, just the imagining of all the different kinds of like you know the not just the phrases, but like the attacks, like getting hit or right. the the you know the little oomph kind of deals like how like how much of that is involved uh is involved uh well it's all me it's not someone else (laughs) it's not someone else i do have um the japanese actress as a guide uh and that isn't because i need to mimic her performance so much as i need to match her timing right like she would record first all of the japanese actors would have recorded first and so the length of the file the sound file it the game is built around, you know, the timing of that. So each language needs to match that. Um, as technology has progressed, we've been able to get away from some of that, uh, meaning the English voices can uh, kind of do our own thing, quote unquote, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I listen to her and I'm in, I am inspired by what she's up to. And in games, though, I will say you usually have a lot more folks involved in crafting your performance you're there as an actor to perform but especially with something like street fighter i've got uh, my director there and the engineer there but then on the line there's uh one or two people from capcom and then um like a client representative uh, who speaks japanese and english and they're there to um handle any rewriting of the script uh so that it's all very official if we need to change something to fit um, because with something like Street Fighter that's been around for like 30 years, you have to be very specific. You can't just on a whim go, ah, this doesn't work. We're going to make her say this instead. You know, yeah. you need Capcom's approval. Yeah. So there are a lot of people <laughs> listening and picking <laughs> apart what you're up to. Uh, and, you know, you'll do the, everything is lumped into similar types of stuff stuff right so we'll do cut scenes one day and then we'll do some of the fighting at the end of the day so i don't get worn out and the next day we'll do some story and cammy will show up in various characters story so you got to do here's cammy in you know in chun lee's story and here's cammy in luke's story and here's cammy in etc do all those mm. and when it comes to the fighting it'll be like okay here are you know five or six light punch attacks and i hear the japanese and i immediately repeat my version one or two options for each of the options given to me so that when you're playing you're not just hearing the same punch sound every time she throws a light punch or you know a hard kick or something you're getting there are multiple ways to hear that noise happen yeah and then of course all the famous ones that you know like spiral arrow and uh cannon spike and cannon drill and execute and all of that 
Wow, man. It just, well, it sounds like that's a lot more than what you would have to do normally in the gaming side than what you would do for anime. So that, wow, that's incredible. Jeez. Jesus, I didn't know there was that much like politics too behind it. So that's that's really crazy. Mm. <clears throat> um, and uh, and I mean, and I know you're like I said before. I know you're very you're very busy. Uh, but uh, is there something that you like to do that like unwinds you from your normal day to day scheduling? Uh, if I have the time when I get home, I like to unwind uh, watching uh, Korean dramas. <laughs> I watch a lot of K dramas. <laughs> I started watching them during uh, the pandemic. And uh, I've I've kept up with that habit, though I'm not as free. I don't have as much free time anymore. I used mm-hmm. to watch, be watching like four or five different ones at a time. Right now, I, I'm just I've just got one. Oh my god! Yeah, just one. <laughs> um, so that's that's it. The main thing I'll do is that I like to go to the theater. I love to go to the symphony. Um, those are the main things. If I've got the free time, and I'm going to go and do it's that. If I'm free time and I stay at home. Hang out with my husband and the dogs and K dramas. <laughs> it's hilarious. Like my girl, oh, my girlfriend also like, oh my god, like uh, try to get me into K dramas, and I'm just like, I just don't yes. get it. This is these scenarios are so weird. It's so odd. They're it's not so any awful, weirder though. than anime. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that is true. Not but any it, you know, It's fair. That is fair. You're you're totally right. Yeah. But it's just weird because it's like it's live action and you just see that in, in the same scenario. It's like, I don't know if that works for me as much. It seems kind of icky to me, but uh, it is, and it's hilarious. But no, but no there, are, there are really good ones. I, there are some that I, I admit were like, wow, OK, I got to watch all of this before I before I go crazy. Mm-hmm. So no, you're totally right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so though, have you? Do you know about the? Uh, yeah, I love going to uh, like symphonies too. Like, do you know that like there there's uh, something that's going on in the Meyerson soon about like uh, for uh, uh, what's it called Cowboy Bebop Big Band, mm-hmm. like a big band for Cowboy Bebop yeah. thing. This like uh, over at the Meyerson, I was just like, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, I love I love symphony. I used to play. Ba- I used to be in the orchestra for like oh, okay. five years, uh, ten years. So like I do that all the time. That's great. So, yeah, I haven't. So, yeah, I haven't checked too much into things that are visiting at the Meyerson. I mm-hmm. mostly just follow like what the DSO are specifically are doing, the Dallas Symphony Orchestra, uh, because we're pa- mm-hmm. we're patrons there. So um, oh. yeah, and their season thing. It didn't say anything about Cowboy Bebop at the Symphony, but that sounds really <laughs> cool. I know they had the One Piece yeah. thing there last year. I didn't get to go to it, but that sounded pretty neat too. Oh um, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. Like I think it's like sometime in March or something. I'm like, okay, I gotta go. Yeah. Uh, there's no, there's no, especially it's big band. I love big band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, there you go. Uh, and uh, do you have like, do you have a personal fandom yourself that you like? You know, something that you like to collect or do, or you know, something that that uh, that you enjoy. Hmm. Like, uh, it's hard working in anime because I collect so many things based on the shows uh, that I am directing or that I'm in or the games that I'm directing or in. Um, so it's ma- it's mainly that. That's mainly what I'm what I'm collecting. Uh, my husband and I have a have a healthy. Um, designer toy collection so like uh vinyl figures and things like that not just anime ones but Mm -hmm. other pretty great ones um yeah i don't know we're definitely collectors at my house (laughs) you are an adr and you have done over hundreds of shows and i don't know how many like and i know you were at this you were doing a streak i think since 2015 you were doing things like adr work ADR and voice acting for 20 shows a year <laughs> at point, like over 20 shows a year. Mm. 
I bet you you have like racks, like, like, <laughs> like racks of just different kinds of things. Yeah, that you I have, have to limit myself to what of. I what I what I get. I try to just stick to figures. I will usually just get figures that I voice, not shows mm-hmm. that I'm in. And then I, I am looking <laughs> shows that I'm in. I'm typically looking for really cool art or something very special, maybe from Japan uh, to just keep as a memento from that experience. Um, but yeah, I've got, I got a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, okay, you could easily probably fill like eight rooms of the uh, stuff that you've been, <laughs> that you've been. especially not. like, uh, yeah, like full bill alchemist alone and all the, and mm-hmm. like MHA. Mm-hmm. Oh golly. <laughs> all right. End up like, uh, when you started your career in, uh, in voice acting, like you came out strong with series like Detective Conan and Full Metal Alchemist. Like when you initially started, did you imagine this would be the career you wanted to do? No, like- I didn't. I really thought it was just a gig. It was just something that I would do until I did something else. I had plans uh, for my theatrical life. I wanted to go to graduate school. I wanted to go study abroad and do Shakespeare. Um, but I wasn't planning to do that immediately upon graduation. So I just thought this is a thing to do so I can use my degree and make a living by acting. Um, and then when it's time to go to grad school, I'll do that and whatever. Uh, but things just really took off. So I stuck with it and it, it came, it went rather from being like a gig to, this is my job. And now 20 years later, it's my career. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, it just feels like it, it just seems really interesting that like when especially the way you got introduced into it and then you just like, you know, you just improved. You just constantly just improved and improved from there uh, there on and just started crushing it. Oh, and now you. you're like a big you're a big figurehead now. At this point. Wild, <laughs> at this point. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just it's a, it's incredible that, that like it just all that all the, all that just from that one opportunity, which is really great. Mm. It's really great to hear. And uh, and one of the things that I admire about you, like I'm just saying, and you know, not trying to get your big ego, but <laughs> but like uh, there is like uh, is how multi talented you are. Okay. Like, not only do you have like a successful career in voice acting, but you also have established yourself as an audio director in several series. Like, how were you introduced to be like deciding to become an ADR? Uh, I really didn't think of ADR directing as a career similar to voice acting. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to do it. Uh, It was that I really enjoyed being at Funimation. I liked being around the studio and I wanted to find a way to be there more, but legitimately um, you can only be there as an actor as often as you're cast. And you really just interact with your director and your engineer and whoever you might cross paths with in like a break room. Um, so I just asked my same friend who, who brought me there on the tour, like, Hey, how do you become a director here? Do you think that I would be any good at that? And he had me, he pointed me in the direction of Justin Cook, as you know, him as Yusuke Urameshi. And right now he's Kirishima in MHA and he's my boss. And back then he was the boss too. (laughs) And I just ended up in his office and told him that I was interested. Did he think that I could try it out? How would I train? And he just very easily and simply was like, yeah, you could do it. He just told me that I could. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) So that was not the same as being hired. It was more like being invited and allowed to come and train, which I had to do on my own in my free time. I wasn't paid. It was just come on and learn from 
the other directors who at the time were all contract as well. So uh, mm. they weren't being paid to train me. <laughs> they were being paid to make <laughs> the anime. So I learned from Mike McFarland and Chris Bevins and uh, Zach Bolton and all sorts of people. Uh, Colleen Clinkenbeard, who had arrived on the scene maybe six months prior to me. Um, and she was already directing as well. Of course, you know, from Full Metal Alchemist. And uh, yeah, I trained for uh, I don't even know how long. And then they started asking me to fill in for folks when they would be gone. So I was mostly substituting and assistant directing for a little bit. And then they offered me a contract and ironically, not ironically, but it's funny, funnily, oddly enough, it was for <laughs> Case Closed. So the first stuff I directed was also the first show that I ever voice acted in. So I did Case Closed and I worked on Negima and um, I worked on the One Piece, first One Piece movie that we did, which is not movie one, but movie eight, the Alabasta movie. Um, and, the, and then they gave me my own other contracts, um, One Piece. And uh, what else? My first show was in 2007. And it was called Suzuka. And it's a, a oh, sports yeah. romance. And that was my first full show that I did. And maybe I did one other after that before I got um, more on High School Host Club, which is, you know, pretty epic. So. Wow. Very awesome. <laughs> and like, uh, so like from the time of when you decided to, you know, talk to Justin Cook to get into your ADR role to like, you know, like how established were you uh, doing your, uh, your the, like the voice act, your, your voice acting uh, from the day? Like, was it like a year or like, was it a long period of time? I started voice acting in early 2004, <laughs> January 2004. And I was directing by, I want to say the fall of 2005. So it ha mm. wasn't even like a full two years. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Wow. Okay, cool, man. That's <laughs> just, that's just so funny. Uh, but, uh, like, and, uh, and also like before the holidays, I'd like talked to, uh, uh, Marissa Duran mm. and, uh, and, uh, they said nothing but great things about your direction in ADR work, uh, in Horamiya and also in Hell's Paradise. And, uh, uh, and I'm just like, but then I was like thinking to myself, like, what are some of the challenges, uh, of you like you know being in ADR of the series like what do you like what are the challenges of your of the day-to-day -day mm. of like you know, directing everyone mm. well, I just, uh, for the series yeah, I also want to be clear I didn't direct Hell's Paradise um oh that's okay. yeah that's Mike McFarland but I did direct uh Horimiya both seasons of it uh the challenges of an ADR director are uh namely well gosh there are a lot you're asking me is mm -hmm. on Friday after a week of work and I'm tired. Uh, You're fried. <laughs> yeah. um, so we do a lot uh, at Crunchyroll. The directors also cast their shows, which is really nice um, at other studios that aren't Crunchyroll and then Funimation before us. Um, you know, they have a casting director who does all of that. So I think it's really great to be the one who's going to be working with the actors and getting to choose who you're working with and really craft the ensemble that way. So that's job. Number one is casting. Um, the other challenge is, I mean, it's all a collaborative thing. Like I really don't feel that any ADR director should take like full responsibility for the way the show sounds because before I even get started, there's a writing team who's probably even watched it before I've had a chance to watch it. They've adapted the translation into the script that we work with, like, and then I get it. So the main challenge is, is communicating with all of the teams. 
to make the finished product the best it can be. So I need to communicate with the writers as we're going along uh, and let them know these are the types of changes that I'm having to make on the fly. These are the adjustments that you could be making in the next episode before I, I get the script so that it works more easily for me. Um, there are challenges in regards to stuff that could be lost in translation. Uh, the Japanese really love their wordplay jokes. So making things like that make sense or any sort of cultural stuff that to a Japanese person is immediately understood, but to us is less understood or not understood at all. Uh, <laughs> figuring out how, how do we how do we make that work? And then the biggest, I guess, challenge to all of that work is the time constraints, really, um, because we have a very hungry audience out there that wants their anime and they want it now. Uh, and it, one thing that was really nice about the early 2000s is, like you said, everyone was just so happy to get whatever they got. They're like, oh, this is great. Let me consume this. Uh, but now in the world of streaming, uh, enough is never enough and they always want the next thing and we're also trying to combat piracy and the best way to do that is to put things out in the simulcast way so it's at least there in japanese at the same time in japanese with subtitles here at the same time as it is in japan and then we've got to dub out within two weeks two to three weeks and sometimes we can do it at the same day uh, as as japan it just depends on materials and, you know, they're under time constraints as well. So that's the hardest thing. And we're working on typically two shows at a time on the regular. Uh, so I'm putting, oh I'm putting out two episodes a week of two very different series. And I may also be in some form of post-production on an older show or pre-production on an incoming show. And in my position as a senior voice director, I'm also doing things like new director training and just other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Like the day, the day of that just sounds insane. Like, have you ever done juggled that and like ever done like a voice acting role while doing your regular day to day as an ADR? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We would have assistants. (laughs) I'd have an assistant come in and run the directing sessions while I popped out to do some voice acting or nowadays we just do it at night. So I'm, you know, I may work 10 to six and then stick around in the evening to record Damien, for example, on spy family. Um, that's, that's how that works. That's the life of, uh, of an ADR director direct all day. And if you still want to act and we all still want to act, uh, it happens at night. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, that uh, not enough, crazy. not enough. But right now, <laughs> right now, I am not sleeping a lot because we have a puppy. And then we also have our older dog who's, you know, very much a senior dog and needs lots of extra attention. So nowadays, if I'm not getting wow. sleep, it's it's because of the dogs. I've really learned to, as best I can, leave work at work and come home and be present Uh, with my family. There are sometimes things I have to do. Like I have a voice acting career that isn't anime related, that isn't Crunchyroll related. So I have to carve out the time usually in my mornings, but sometimes in my evenings just to do auditions and research for those auditions for other things, uh, commercials and other games and Western cartoons and stuff like that. So um, yeah, (laughs) I try to leave anime at work, uh, but then there are conventions, of course, and I love to go and celebrate everything and meet the fans and talk about all of this stuff. Because like I told you, I, I like anime. I don't think I would still be doing this if I didn't. Right. That's yeah. very true. <laughs> but, 
but wow, you are very incredible. Oh, That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, I mean, it, it's just and also is AD does ADR even do any kind of work, let alone with like localization at all, or do they, uh, or is that a whole completely different group? Like, do like, I uh, as a director specifically? Like I guess with like uh well like what you were saying about syncing and making sure that the scripts were matching or was was matching in uh in rhythm to what what the uh the translations are is that is that a matter of localization or is that something completely different localization technically is like making the product digestible for a Western audience for a local audience so that has more to do with the content um. And I suppose the, I suppose the adaptation literally of the language, not uh, it doesn't it doesn't speak to the timing of things or or how I have how an actor performs, I guess, or how I have them adjust their performance. I'm not thinking of I don't know how to explain it. I'm not I don't think about localizing. That's I guess that isn't on my brain. That's on the brains of people who are steps before me, like before it comes to my booth. It doesn't mean I don't think about the audience, but I recognize that my audience are uh, English speaking or want to be, uh, and they consume their media via a dub. And it's my job to make it seem as though this cartoon was produced in English in the first place. That's what I want. Like, that's how smooth and seamless I want it to be. That's why I say the trick, tricky stuff is like things that might be lost in translation or things that are extremely cultural. How do we present them just through the language in a way that makes sense to the audience? Because we can't alter the animation in any way at all. Right, yeah. right. Okay. And um, and uh, you've said in uh, your Instagram, one of your Instagram posts that the series, uh, the new series that's out right now, uh, Solo Leveling, uh, maybe like the most ambitious thing you have ever worked on. Mm. Um, why is that? Uh, <laughs> I think the hype because of the hype involved <laughs> and, uh, and it is worthy of it. I'll tell you what, um, to be at the head of that is, uh, not something I take lightly and, uh, I'm very serious about it, but also very excited. And I've been working a long time to have a project of, uh, this size and of this nature. And, you know, it's this established IP that's very beloved around the world. And I recognize that and I want to do it justice. And um, I've read it and I think that it's just so spectacular and so groundbreaking when it, um, when it arrived on the scene. And, you know, I've, I've had my hands on some other pretty high profile things over the years. Like I, I directed some of Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, I directed all of Fruits Basket, uh, the reboot, you know, three seasons in a movie, but I feel like those things came to me. Someone had already set them up, you know, like Fruits Basket already had a cast and I just had to fill in some blanks and same with Fullmetal Alchemist. It was like Mike and Colleen built the thing. And then I just had to kind of carry it along. Uh, solo leveling to me, feels more I don't know I'm feeling the work that I'm doing that makes sense but I'm also really loving the work that I'm doing and I can't wait for everyone to hear it by the way right now it is just streaming in Japanese so stay tuned for an exact date on when uh, the dub will be available but you're gonna like it 
Yeah. You're going to like it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to it. I, I, I did. I watched the first episode last week on uh, Crunchyroll. Another shameless plug uh, <laughs> on Crunchyroll. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, wow, OK, because uh, for me, I I'm, I'm very impatient. Mm-hmm. So like usually when I saw the first episode, I'm like, wow, this is a good. This was a very good first episode. Let me see. What, like, how's the rest? Of, how's the rest of the series? Like, so I started reading it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, it's insane. Yeah, and so I am looking forward to seeing that animation into like. It, and what's amazing to me is that now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this a webtoon or was it, this? It was a manhwa, a, 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 a manhwa, and a, re- and a webtoon, and, and a light novel. All the, all of the above. So it was a novel. Wow. And then the novel um, was given, you know, manhwa form, and it was, of course, online as a web comic, and you can also buy it uh and physical physical copies of it as well though in english the whole story hasn't been released as physical books but it has been released in english on is it i think it's just the webtoon app or one of those where you know you pay for chapters um so i think that's really cool and it's also wonderful that so many um korean stories are being adapted from manhwa into anime and this will be my second one to work on actually uh but it's awesome because I already told you I love K dramas and Korean culture <laughs> was art was it's weird. I can't seem to do things and have them just be my hobby. They will eventually become part of my work. <laughs> so K dramas and K pop were like, hey, let's have this hobby. And now I'm like, hey, you know, Korean language is really interesting. Let me start studying that. And then I st- now Korean stuff starts showing up at Crunchyroll. And I'm like, I'm interested in it, of course, because it's my hobby and my interest otherwise. And, you know, now it's my job. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's been great. I hope it I hope it doesn't like spoil spoil it for you. Like if it's like once this becomes your job, you don't you're you don't you're like, you know, what I'm kind of over it or anything. No, I, hope you still I don't enjoy, think like, so. That, it's oh, nice. It's nice having uh, insight into the culture um because i you know it's been my hobby and i've been studying the language and the culture for a bit uh, and it's nice uh, getting the exposure to it uh, at work is is pretty cool so <laughs> yeah that's great and uh uh and oh i know like i've said earlier today earlier in the interview like you've been uh you've been the voice of cammy and uh since street fighter 4 uh, f- for the longest of time, I assumed that they chose someone from the UK to do the voice. I didn't even, I didn't even know until I was like, "What? She, she, she was a part of that." It's like, cool. Yes. Like when you when you read the role for Cammy, I mean, I would love to know. Like, did you just bring like an authentic British accent, or did? And they were apparently, like, she's, she's apparently, in. I did. Wow. I auditioned with the accent. Yes, the accent was a requirement for the audition. Um, I read for the part honestly thinking that I would not get it because like you, I thought they'll just cast a real British person because I knew the directors and I knew that it was all being done in Los Angeles and like they have access to British actors. Surely some other person is going to nail this, but they sent it to me. So I will read and, um, and I booked it anyway. <laughs> so I'm so <laughs> grateful. But yes, I do. That is a very high compliment. Thank you. I do hear that a lot when people come up to the tables at conventions and they're there to have me sign their game or um their arcade stick or something like that and i start talking and they're like you're not british i'm like oh sorry and i'll put on the voice for him because like you're a cami fan so let me just you know do it for you and not ruin (laughs) did you trade at all in any way uh, uh, on this role like for it or like did did it just come natural train for it to do the role 
Um, a lot of actors you know, work on an accent throughout their time. Accents, many accents. And then if you're a voice actor, even more so. So yes, I'd used the British accent on the stage before and had studied dialects in various classes and things along the way. And then some people just have an, you know, a knack for it. And sometimes they just have a knack for particular accents, not all accents. So I don't know how long I'd been doing a British accent, but that was maybe my first time to do it professionally and be paid for it. So that's pretty great. <laughs> that's pretty great. That Cammy is what is what did it. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm on the outside of this because it's very uh, I feel that it's very rare for someone with a, a like American to go and have a British accent and get a role for a British role. Yeah. Because usually you see it the other way the around. Other way you around. see a lot of British accents yeah, all the time. I'm just like, wow, okay. That's so it is possible, just incredibly rare. <laughs> So, well, that's well, no, I, I love it though. No, no, I love. Uh, did you have you played? Have you played? Uh, have you played yourself in like in the any of the Street Fighters like four, yes, five, or six? I played four a lot, obviously, because it was the first one and it was so cool to be in it. Uh, so I played the multiple versions of four. I'm also DiCaprio, so when she came along in like four Ultra, I think, or Ultimate, um, that was pretty fun to be in scenes with myself and fighting against myself. I played five and I haven't played six a lot, which is unfortunate because I know it's like really awesome, but I just don't have any time. I've played it. I've played it at the arcade, actually. Like uh, the, we have a few of the, those free play arcades and stuff here in, in mm -hmm. Dallas, if you don't know about them. And so that, I think that was the first place, actually. They had a PS5 set up instead of, you know, all these arcade machines and pinball machines. But then they knew like people are going to want to play the new Street Fighter. So here it is like. His PS5 and a TV on the wall. I'm like, heck yeah. So that was my first exposure oh, wow. to actually playing the new one. That's cool. Isn't the Capri Russian? She is. <laughs> oh, okay. So did you have a Russian accent too for the Capri? Yeah, of course I did. Oh my goodness! Wow. Okay. Well, multi-talented. There you go. But anyways, uh, well, sorry on the sour note on that case. It's all good. <laughs> but, but it's all good. But Caitlin, thank you so much for sure. for, uh, for for geeking out. It was really awesome talking to you. I really loved. Uh, thank you for. I know with your hectic schedule, I really appreciate it. It's really awesome. Absolutely. That we got got in touch. Uh, and folks, uh, you could all, if you liked the, the the interview that we've done with Caitlin, like this one, you can also check it out on all any podcast services out there. We're on uh, Apple. Google, uh, Google Play, every everywhere, or just go to our main website, confreaksandgeeks.com, to check out the full library of other uh, awesome interviews like like this one. So this is once again, this is Davis signing out. Y'all, take it easy. <clears throat>